Hello and welcome to The Bitten Word. I'm Ashley. And I'm Christine. And guess what? I'm really excited today (laughs) to talk about the patient and the pastizio from that limited series on Hulu. So I was going to do something else today, but then I watched the show and I saw how much food was in it and I forced Christine to like binge watch it so that we could do this episode today. It wasn't hard to binge watch. No, it's really short. It's only 10 episodes long and they're all a half an hour. Um, And the last one just came out earlier this week as we're recording. So we just finished the series. Because of that, there are going to be spoilers. Um, the scene itself with the food in it has a big spoiler. So if you want to watch it, go binge it real quick. It'll take you a day or two, um, and then come back and listen. Or if you haven't watched all of the episodes, just in case we're talking about something that you haven't seen yet, you might want to wait, uh, to watch it, especially since this is so new, you know, there might be a bunch of you that haven't watched it yet, but it's really good. I super recommend it. It's very good. It, it sucks you in. Yeah, it really does. Which is interesting because it's kind of like a slow burn, you know? Yeah. But they do such an incredible job. So this show is a psychological thriller starring Steve Carell, which to some of you might sound weird to have him in a psychological thriller, and Donald Gleason. Is that how you say um, it? Yes, I looked it up because okay. I figured I wasn't saying it the right way because it's Irish yeah. and you don't know how to pronounce Irish names if you're no, not no. Irish. So it's spelled D-O-M-H-N-A-L-L, but it's pronounced Donal. Okay. So there's that. Well, it makes me think of. Um, so the guy who played Mr. Fantastic in like the early 2000s, really crappy Fantastic Four movies. His name is spelled like I-O-A-N, and then his last name is G-R-U-F-F-U-D, but it's pronounced Ian Griffith. Yeah. Is it not Ewan? Or is it Ian? Ian. Interesting. I I, I looked it up once. His name is Welsh. Yes, but it's same principle applies, though. Yeah. If you're not Welsh, you can't. You're not going to guess right. Yeah. So in, <laughs> in one of my uh, English language classes in college, I remember my teacher said that people would like in, in the ling- you know, the linguistics side of things would make fun of Welsh and say that it looked like English, but that you moved your hands over on the keyboard one and like <laughs> messed everything up. Um yeah, they they're interesting languages because it looks like they could be English and you might be able to pronounce it, but you can't. That's how I always feel about Dutch, like knowing some oh, yeah. German. I'm like, Dutch just looks like fake German. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So yes, starring Steve Carell and Donald Gleason. And this is your premise. Therapist Alan Strauss is held prisoner by a patient. Sam Fortner, who reveals himself to be a serial killer. Sam has an unusual therapeutic demand for Alan, curb his homicidal urges. In order to survive, Alan must unwind Sam's disturbed mind and stop him from killing again, but Sam refuses to address critical topics. Alone in captivity, Alan excavates his own past through memories of his old therapist, Charlie, and grapples with waves of his own repressed troubles. 
the recent death of his wife, Beth, and the painful estrangement from his religious son, Ezra. Over the course of his imprisonment, Alan uncovers not only how deep Sam's compulsion runs, but also how much work he has to do to repair the rift in his own family. So, like I said, Steve Carell, right, and Donald Gleason. So, Steve Carell, a lot of you, I am sure, are obsessed with The Office because lots of people are obsessed with The Office except for me. I couldn't really get into it. I know I'm weird. Um, but... If you've only seen him in stuff like that, you're really missing out because he has some other, you know, more serious comedic work and other serious work. And this is like, this is so good. He does an amazing job in this show. He has a lot of range. Like he does really well in both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he really does. And Donald Gleason, if you're like, who the crap is that? You know him. It's Bill Weasley. It's Bill Weasley. He's um, General Hux in Star yep, Wars. Who, if you don't know the name General Hux, he's the yelly red-haired guy. Yeah. He's in an episode <laughs> and, of Black Mirror. He's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. He's in a movie called About Time that's a romantic comedy that I love. Um, he, It's super good. It's with Rachel McAdams, and it's an awesome movie, too. Um, and once again, this is an amazing role for him, too. I feel like... So this show is very much about the two of them. There are other characters, but you don't see them as much. They don't play in as much. And so it could get really boring really fast if the performances weren't good. But the performances are stellar. Um, Although I did feel like it was weird to hear Donald Gleason do like an American accent. I was going to say, I think that's the only (laughs) time I've ever seen him be American. And it was weird. It was a little weird. It took me a minute to get used to it. It was kind of like when I heard David Tennant do an American accent. And even now the or I guess the first couple of times I heard him talk in his real accent, which yes, is Scottish. It's very it's jarring. It, yeah, it weirded me out because I'm so used to hearing him just speak British English. <laughs> like, yeah. It weirded me out, even though that's his actual real voice. So yeah, this show has been really popular. It's been highly watched across all platforms um, during the weeks that it has released. It has been in like the top five or six things watched over all streaming platforms. And guys, there's so much food in this show. And we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but there's so much food. Um One little nugget here that I found out, and I know that I had, when I found out Donald Gleason's name, I was kind of like, I I know I had this little inkling of, I wonder this, but I had it confirmed during my research that he is Brendan Gleason's son. I don't know who that is. Okay. Brendan Gleason is Mad-Eye Moody. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. And Brett, when I told him that, he was like, nepotism. (laughs) I was like, okay. He had a red-haired son who wanted to be an actor right around the same age as Bill Weasley. I don't think it was nepotism. I think it was, like, meant to be. Um, So, so yeah, there's that. It's funny. They don't look anything alike. They don't look anything alike, but because just the Gleason, you know. And, you know, I had a roommate who's American, and her last name was Gleason. So it's not like it's super uncommon or anything, but I did just wonder because a lot of times that happens with families, you know, you do wonder like in, I don't know, in Hollywood, it just happens all so often too, that it's like, exactly. Um, so yeah. So this show is like, I feel like it's unique and I feel like it's kind of eerie 
you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it really does, like Christine said, it draws you in and you're like, you can't wait to see what's going to happen next. So it is about a serial killer. Okay, so on today.com, like the Today Show, they gave an interesting viewpoint here. So it says, and remember I said lots of food. Many life and death conversations are had over a small table, one which holds anything from eggs to lavish takeout dinners. Dichotomies like these are what viewers have found so intriguing about the show, where a serial killer and kidnapper has human qualities that so many of us can relate to, mainly that he's a foodie. Um, and I just thought that was so interesting. There's, there's a quote from the creators of the show about talking about that too. Okay, so this is what one of the creators said. It's funny. You often hear with serial killers that the neighbor is so surprised. But we delved a little deeper into that and learned that these people can sometimes be quite successful in their work lives and even getting along with people. And he added later that this allowed them to add depth and build out and add specificity to their serial killer character who speaks of inspecting restaurants as his day job. So it's pretty interesting to think of it because once you say that these are humans and not just sociopaths, then we as writers are able to start digging in to create a human. And I think that they did that really well. And that that Mm -hmm. is one of the things that is so interesting about this show is because you almost like he's a total monster. He is a sociopath, right? And his mother is a piece of work. Um, But you do kind of relate to them or you do kind of sympathize with them and you do see these different sides that make them human. Yeah. And then you want to see what's going to happen. So that he's a foodie and he is because his job, like it said in the quote is he's a restaurant inspector. And so he goes from restaurant to restaurant and presumably he's inspecting restaurants and then bringing home takeout from those restaurants, but also, you know, going around to his favorite places. You see Indian food, you see pho, you see all of these things. And he talks about it like he really cares about it. He talks about it like when he went to a Thai place, he was like, this place uses fermented fish guts in their food and that sounds weird but it makes it amazing and like all this stuff that just normal people who have interests would talk about so on the subject of serial killers and food something i was thinking about recently was i was listening to um what's that show called i was listening to morbid um which is a true crime podcast i really like and something that they hit on a lot is that like after like there's a lot of testimonies from real life serial killers well they will where they will say something like i killed them and then i went made a sandwich in their kitchen or i killed them Mm -hmm. and then i went to denny's you know and it's like and they were saying like how can they just do something so normal like eating you know after they have killed somebody and Um, I'm thinking, too, of an article I read one time talking about why bad guys are always shown eating, you know, like taking Hmm. a bite of an apple or something like that in movies. And like one of the examples they used was Barbosa, like takes a bite of an apple, like in the midst of like having kidnapped um, Elizabeth Swan. And Mm -hmm. 
And what they were talking about in that article was that like eating is so casual that it's like the ultimate sign of like a sociopath, like someone who mm-hmm. doesn't care because it's like, you know, because we as humans, like eating is so tied to emotion that, you know, like I, you know, if I get super stressed out, I can't eat. And in a situation like that, I like if I had just killed somebody, I think I wouldn't be able to eat because I would be too stressed out. But it's like mm-hmm. for someone who doesn't care, for someone who doesn't have emotion tied to this action, eating is like a totally just like total break from the emotion and is just like, yeah. I'm fine. I'm eating. And something that I noticed in the show is that there's way more food in the first half of the show Mm -hmm. when he's talking about killing people, when he's actively killing people. And then as like, as he starts to, so this is a total spoiler, but like, as he starts to like try and gain more empathy and try to think more about other people and try to not kill people, like there's less and less food shown hmm. That's true. Um, and I'm thinking particularly of a scene where he kills who is essentially his boss and then he goes to a store and eats a hot dog mm-hmm. like immediately after. Yeah. Um, buys a hot dog and just, you know, eats it. And we never see the fallout of that one. I'm like, no, like, I don't know. I wish that we could have seen some fallout from his boss dying, you know, Um. But yeah, that is interesting. And I'm sitting here like totally grossed out by the fact that they, somebody said you'd go make a sandwich in their kitchen because presumably this person is lying dead in the next room, possibly in some very disgusting way. And then they came and made a sandwich. Gross. Yeah, no, there are a couple, (laughs) there are like a couple of serial killers. I can't think of anyone's like any specific names, but there were a few who like that was their M.O was like they would kill somebody and like in some really horrific way and then just like mill about their house watch tv make some food Ew. like just weird yeah just like hang out and then leave that's nasty yeah i'm also this is really dumb but i'm also thinking that i wouldn't want to make a sandwich no. in anybody else's house no. because they wouldn't have the right stuff <laughs> that's what i'm thinking i'm like how do you know what's in their fridge is something you want to eat I know exactly or that they even have anything to eat because sometimes people have empty fridges or what if they buy the like bottom of the barrel meat for sandwiches you know the stuff that comes in the bag that's like you can see all the fat and gristle and stuff in it (laughs) they don't have the right kind of mustard or they buy gross bread or like I don't know (laughs) yeah I'm also thinking too I don't want to hang around because like what if no yeah, what if somebody noticed? Like, I don't know. That sounds that sounds horrifying in many different ways. Okay. So something fun about this is that I didn't know that this was the case, but I guess that FX and Hulu every week when the show came out were giving away free takeout for two oh, that's people. Fun. So I like when I looked it up, it was like they're giving away Vietnamese food for two people for this week in the sweepstakes. <laughs> like, so I thought that was kind of creative and, and fun. Okay. So one other thing about this. So since this show is really new, there's not a whole lot of stuff on the internet about it right now. 
Um, but there was some controversy with Steve Carell's casting because uh, his character in the show is Jewish mm-hmm. and the religion plays a huge part in the show. Um, but Steve Carell is not Jewish. I wondered about this. Yeah. So the creators, Joel Fields and Joe Weisberg, defended their casting joy- choice, uh, saying the Jewish themes are very personal and important to each of us. My dad was a rabbi, so I grew up in that world. Joe grew up with a Jewish family as well. So we were able to tap into something very personal for us. And ultimately, I think a big part of our belief as storytellers is that what we're doing is trying to amplify our common humanity. And that's something Steve does brilliantly in this part and Donald does brilliantly in his part. And we hope that's ultimately what people take away from the specifics that are in the show. Um, and I know that they, I had read another quote by them saying that they feel that it, they're in TV and people are pretending to be other people all the time and that that's kind of the point of TV. And so they know that some people wouldn't agree with their casting choice, um, but that they feel like it was a good one and the right one. Um, At the same time, I, I feel like if the, the two of them are Jewish, mm-hmm. that they have a right to make that call. I agree completely. Like, because I feel like they yeah they can come at it and say like i think he will do for this part and for you know like the judaism of the part what we needed Mm -hmm. to do and like it and like they can be aware of like whether or not it's being portrayed like respectfully and you know how they how they need it to be portrayed yes i completely agree and i think that like they said he did it well Mm -hmm. um and i feel like and it's interesting too because i also read that they actually hadn't written anything about judaism into the script at all when it first started and they had i think that they had already cast steve carell and then they were like you know what this would add a lot of depth and so they started exploring it it must have changed like the whole thing because it's very it's a very central yeah. point to the whole plot. Um, and, but they, they kept him in there. And I think, I think he did. I think he did a fantastic job. I even looked up, I was like, is Steve Carell Jewish? Cause he did. I felt like such a good job with it. And that's yeah. kind of how I found this stuff, you know? Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, I do think that it's like a necessary component of the story. Mm-hmm. Like I agree. It, it really, I think, without because there's just so like like so much of you know dr strauss's personal development and stuff Mm -hmm. as a character comes from that and i feel like without that aspect of it it just wouldn't have been as interesting yeah well and there's the rift between him and his son has to do with religion and his wife you know was very was the cantor Um, and so they show her, you know, singing Mm. and leading people in song and that it's a big part of her life. And so I, I really do. I feel like it added so much to the story. Well, and then too, like, I just really enjoyed, like, when you see them, like, at Shabbos together, and then like, when Mm -hmm. you see him, like, reciting the prayer for his wife, Mm -hmm. like, 
I don't know. A lot of that's like, I just, I don't know. I enjoy like portrayals of like devout religion on TV. Mm-hmm. And I also just like enjoy seeing people be like devoutly religious in real life just because. I don't know. I just do. Um, and I mean, obviously, I'm not Jewish, so I can't like attest to like how accurate this is. But it it felt genuine. And I I don't know. I just enjoy that. Yeah, I agree. Um, OK, so let's talk about the scene. Not that we haven't spoiled anything already, but I'm going to give you a- another spoiler warning here. Just so you know, because we're going to start going into some specifics. So, some background knowledge for the scene. During um, a quote-unquote session, um, Sam says that a guy at a Greek place that he was um, inspecting was rude to him and kind of treated him like he was an idiot and that he's been wanting to kill him for months. He has been putting off this urge, and that's why he came to see Alan in the first place before he was kidnapped. Um, He is trying to stop being a serial killer, which at the end of the show, Alan even says, you are possibly unique in trying to stop these urges. And so he wants help trying to not kill this guy at the Greek restaurant. Interestingly, here's the foodie part. He still compliments the food at the place Uh, saying that there's even a fusion dish of moussaka-filled gyoza that, like, just melt in your mouth. And he, like, talks about the food, about how amazing it is, while he's still, like, this guy at this restaurant was so rude to me and I want to kill him. So that's kind of what Christine was talking about earlier. You know, he can separate those things. So anyway, so we spend the first few episodes talking about this, trying to get him to stop Um, and not kill this guy. But eventually he gets really mad and he comes back to the house where Alan is with the guy from the Greek place wrapped up in tape, in duct tape, and has been kidnapped and he like stuffs him in another room in a closet. So when Sam is not in the room, when he goes to work during the day or goes upstairs, Alan and this guy start talking to each other And they kind of get to know each other a little bit. We learn more about him. Um, His name is Elias. He works in this restaurant with his parents. His parents own the restaurant. Um, And we learn some stories about him. And one of the stories is about this pastizio that they serve at the restaurant. And he had gone traveling in Asia. And he came back and his mom was sick. And he wanted to cheer her up and he created this dish of pastizio without the traditional tubular noodles, which are actually called pastizio noodles, and makes them with udon noodles instead. And it's just like, it's this really tender moment of learning about this guy who obviously just was, he like had a bad day or maybe sometimes he's snarky or he just didn't like the guy and, you know, didn't like Sam because he was inspecting his restaurant and um, just made a rude comment. And now he's in this situation where he feels death is imminent, you know? And so we see his humanity 
played out in this scene too. And I feel like the food here is intended to be used as an empathy builder. Um, you hear a story about the food and the food has already been established as kind of important in the show. And then they're using it here to say, I am human. I love my mother. I travel and I don't want to die. So I think it's an interesting use of, of food. I don't know if we've seen anything like that before. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's not build a character. Yeah. It's not comfort food. And you don't even eat the food. You don't actually see the food in the show. It's just a story that he's telling that makes Alan, like, feel for him and want to help him. Not that he didn't want to before, but it just makes it more so. Yeah. It's worth noting that he actually does eat this pastizio earlier, like, in an earlier episode. Mm. Um, But they don't. And he, like. And then you hear Donald Gleason talk about it a little bit, but like you don't get any of that backstory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they try to use it later, actually. So Elias is like, try to get me out there, you know, to talk with him and see if we can like, you know, gang up on him or whatever. And so he does get him out into the front room to sit all three of them and try to talk about it. And, and Alan tries to get Elias to tell Sam about that story uh, to try to help him, you know, see this thing because Sam loves food and maybe this story would help him to see his humanity and that he's not the terrible person that he thinks he is because he said one rude comment, you know? Yeah. Not only that, but the fact that like, this came out of a story where like his mom had cancer and like yeah. he loves his mom and a big thing in the in the show is like you know sam's relationship with his mom mm-hmm. and you know they even try to use that as a thing like you know don't kill for the sake of your mom you know mm-hmm. but it's like and so and that's the thing is like i think it might have actually had an impact if it had had an opportunity to work yeah yeah for sure but elias just he was too scared and yeah. he couldn't he couldn't make it happen. He couldn't really get it out and he couldn't say it in the way that would bring any sympathy, you know, to him. And it was just, yeah. So it didn't work. In um, a very catastrophic way. Yes, the very catastrophic and traumatizing way. Okay, so let's talk about the pastizio. Some of you might be wondering what this is. Um, it is a Greek dish of noodles, meat sauce, and bechamel sauce on top with cheese uh it's i would say it's like kind of like a greek version of lasagna um it's it's layered although not exactly the same way as lasagna so lasagna is layered like noodles sauce cheese noodles sauce cheese noodles sauce cheese the the pastizio is more layered by the thing itself so you have noodles on the bottom and then meat sauce on top of that and then the bechamel on top of that. So when you slice it, you can very clearly see the layers. Um, And traditionally, the way that you make it, you have a tubular pasta, so a long pasta that has a hole down the middle, and you line them up in the pan, which I've got to tell you I didn't do because my pan wasn't big enough, and I ended up having to like scrap it all and like throw it in my Dutch oven to put in the oven because (laughs) it wasn't going to work. 
but you're supposed to put them like evenly on top of each other and line them up so that when you cut it, you have all these little holes of pasta on the bottom and then the layers of sauces on the top. I didn't do that partially because I actually used udon. And so I was, oh, you did. Yeah. And so I wasn't going to have like good holes or anything either. No. Um, but I was going to say, I've never had pastizio, but we periodically make pasticho, which is the Venezuelan version of this. And it's made. So I think what really makes like pastizio pastizio is that it's got a meat sauce and a bechamel sauce. Yeah. But, but in the Venezuelan version, it is layered. It uses lasagna noodles and it's layered mm-hmm. like lasagna with the bechamel and the meat sauce. And it also has ham in it. Oh, the ham is an interesting addition. Yeah, it's really good. That's interesting that you say that about the Venezuelan dish. dish. You said it's called pasticcio. 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 Okay, because the name pasticcio comes from the Italian pasticcio, uh, which is a large family of baked savory pies. So it sounds like that migrated into a lot of different places, right? Which is normal. Um, So it didn't used to look like what it looks like now, though. It used to be like meat. And it said, you know, baked savory pies that they would be like actually folded up into layers of pastry. And so it was a little bit more like a handheld pie or like a really big pie that you would cut up. Um, but the contemporary version, and this was very well documented, which is unusual in all of our things. Usually it's like, well, people think that this is what happened or there are several stories, but this is really well documented. So the way that we know it today, it was invented by a man named Nicolas Salamentes, who was a French trained Greek chef in the early 20th century. Um, so this version kind of started in like the 1930s. And there used to be no bechamel and it was wrapped in phyllo, but he completely changed it with his French training to make it the layers that it is and to add the bechamel on the top. But now this is like the ubiquitous version of pastizio everywhere. Like when you hear it, that that's in Greek, especially that is what it is. Interesting. Um, yeah. Something I was thinking about is that I don't think I've ever heard Will's mom even mention pastizio. Like, oh, really? Just like so Greek, you know? (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Yeah, I know you guys make the baklava all the time. Mm. That sounds good right now. Um, So, also, interestingly, this uh, Celementes guy was so influential in Greece um, with cooking. He was he was like Julia Child right to Greece and that his name is now synonymous with the word cookbook in Greece Interesting. because yeah because he was so influential and everybody knows who he is and he's got like a couple of cookbooks that people use and stuff so does that mean that like people say his name instead of the word cookbook I would assume it's like a, a Kleenex tissue situation maybe where people yeah, say you know yeah that i need a kleenex but really what they mean is i need a tissue because kleenex is the brand you know yeah, yeah or q-tips yeah exactly i call them q-tips me too um 
but yeah, I would assume that that's what it is, but I don't know because I don't know any Greek people to ask. So, okay. So I already had my pastizio, um, but Christine has not tried hers yet. And she actually made hers the way that it was supposed to be made with udon noodles. I didn't because the udon noodles were just so thin um, that I didn't really know if it was going to work very well. And since that was like just a fictional thing, you know, I didn't know that anybody would actually make it that way or not. So I used ziti, which was the closest thing I could find to the actual pastizio noodles. But I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it, particularly with the udon noodles. I also added a little bit of soy sauce into my red meat because I thought that that sounded mm. authentic to the dish. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, you know, just serves to like enhance the meat flavor. So I figured it would not be like super out of place. Yeah. I don't know. So mine is kind of like soft. Like I have clear layers, but I didn't get like, you know, some really big, beautiful slice, like, you know, yeah. all the pictures and stuff. I wonder how often that happens. Well, mine didn't either. And you would have to let it be cool. Like you couldn't eat it hot if you were going to do that. No. Um, but mine didn't because I tried to fit it into my nine by 13 pan. And once I put the meat sauce on top, it like filled my entire pan. And I was not going to be able to put the bechamel on top. So I had to scrap it and like pop the sauce and the noodles without them being layered into my Dutch oven and put the bechamel on top. So it didn't work out for layers. Oh, okay. So it seems to be like a pretty common phenomenon in um, the Mediterranean to put like warm spices in meat sauces mm -hmm. like cinnamon and, you know, stuff that we would here consider like fall spices. Yeah. Um, it's not my favorite. That being said, this is a pretty good meat sauce. Yeah, I thought so too. I actually kind of like the cinnamon in there and stuff just because it gives it a slightly different flavor. I think it's particularly good for this time of year. Yeah. Where since we're in fall, it doesn't feel wrong. <laughs> we're out of place. <laughs> to have it in there, you know. But I agree. I think the meat sauce is really good. I think it's pretty rich. And I think cooking it for a long time actually makes a big difference there in letting the flavors meld and build. Yeah. Um. I also think it's pretty like subtle because when I've done stuff before, it's been like a lot of cinnamon, mm -hmm. a lot of cloves. I'm thinking maybe like it was kofta that I make that just had like a lot of cinnamon and stuff like that yeah. in it. Um, as far as the, I really okay, I really like bechamel in lasagna because I think it just gives it like a really good creaminess. I agree that you don't get with just cheese. As for the udon noodles. I think they're unnecessary. They don't taste any different than just regular noodles. Yeah. I was thinking that too. I think it's, I think um, probably what would have happened in the restaurant is it would have had more Asian flavor to it. Like yes. maybe instead of cinnamon, it would have had five spice powder. That's exactly what I was thinking. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And like you did the soy sauce and stuff, and then maybe something to the bechamel uh, to make it a little bit more Asian inspired flavor wise um i think that that probably would have been more the root because if you're just going to replace the noodles with something else another noodle noodles all taste the same right they just have different textures which is why you use different noodles for different things yeah and i mean they have different flavor profiles but in a dish like this it like they're subtle you're not gonna get yeah. 
you're not going to taste the differences in a dish like this. It is really good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it a lot. My family liked it too. Okay. So time to rate Christine, tell us what we are awarding for time. So for time we are awarding the baguette and that is because it's just, it's got a lot of components. And so it takes a while because you have to make the bechamel and then you have to make the meat sauce. You have to cook your noodles, then you have to assemble and then you have to cook again. So it's, I mean, it's not a dish that's going to take you all day, but it is a dish that does take a while to get all the stuff made and all the stuff assembled and then cooking time on top of it. Yeah. The meat sauce takes a long time to cook. Like you have to put it all together and then let it simmer for like an hour. Um, So you can do the rest of your stuff during that time, cook your noodles, you know, make your bechamel and stuff while the sauce is cooking. So it's not like it it is going to take all day, like she said, but it is going to take a little more than just your normal 20 to 30 minute dinner. Yeah. Okay. For ease, we are also awarding de baguette. And that's just because once again, all of the components. So you do have to have several things kind of going at once, you know, lots of things happening in your head. You do have to know how to like, you know, make a bechamel, not burn it. That's always the biggest problem is trying not to burn the bechamel. I feel like, cause all the milkiness in there can yeah. burn easily if you leave it sitting there. Um, and yeah, just all of the stuff. It can be a little bit wearying if you're not used to making somewhat more complicated things, you know? Um, okay. And then for taste, what are we awarding? For taste, we are awarding Trois Baguettes. Um, I think the flavor was really good. I, I'm not sure the soy sauce changed much, except for maybe just bringing out the umami flavor of the beef for me. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it had... I think good rich flavor in the meat sauce. I think, you know, bechamel sauce always gives it like a really good texture and creaminess. It's just kind of like a really good lasagna. Yeah, I agree. I know we said time and ease and I hope we didn't scare you away from this with that. But if you, you know, want to take a little bit of time on like a Sunday night, you know, or a weekend or people are coming over or something, because it makes a good amount as well. I think it's totally worth it to make yeah. this. I, I would make it again because I, I thought it was really good. And the thing is, most lasagna style dishes you can make and then freeze and then just like mm. make it. And so you could even make this on like a Sunday for like a quick weekday meal. Yeah, that's true. Um, you can also like it'll last in the fridge for a long time once you make it. So you could have leftovers for yeah. like lunches for an entire week or something. Um, so, yeah. And I think and it keeps really well in the fridge, too. Like it still tastes really good when you heat it up. Yeah. I halved the recipe and I got it into an eight by eight. And so oh, really? if you yeah don't want like a huge amount, you can always do that, too. OK, well, that is all we have for you today with The Patient and Pastizio. If you're enjoying the podcast, let us know. Recommend it to your friends. Give us a rating or review or both would be wonderful on Apple Podcasts. Um, Help other people find us. We are having fun with this and we'd love to know if you're still having fun with it too. (laughs) (laughs) If you'd like the recipe, Uh, For this, if you'd like to see pictures, then you can join us on our Instagram 
at the Bitten Word Podcast or on Twitter at the Bitten Pod or on our website, uh, the Bitten Word Podcast.weebly.com. And you're not going to want to miss our next episode in two weeks because <laughs> we are going to be going back into video game world and talking about one called I Love You, Colonel Sanders. I'm so excited. I know nothing about this except a picture that Christine sent me about this. And it looks ridiculous and awesome at the same time. It's um, incredibly stupid. <laughs> hopefully I'll be watching like a walkthrough so that I'll be able to add to the conversation a little bit uh, when we come back to you. But of course, with a game called I Love You, Colonel Sanders, we're going to be making fried chicken to go with this next week, next time we're with you. So... Come back for that. And until then, happy watching and bon appetit.